Welcome to Attune and Align, the podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Lavalette, and I'm the founder of Attune and Align, a community for women who attune to the calling of their heart and take action to align their lives accordingly. Thank you so much for joining us today, and I'm so glad you're here. On Attune and Align podcast, we showcase the stories of real women who say hell yes to their dreams and do whatever it takes to manifest the outcomes they want to see in their lives. We hope you'll leave today's episode feeling inspired, energized, and excited to take your very own first step on your own journey towards living life on your own terms. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to my friend, Beth Martin. She is the clean beauty expert behind pineapples and plaid. Beth Martin is a mom, an accidental homeschooler, thanks to COVID, by day, and an advocate for better beauty and executive director with Beauty Counter in all the other times. She loves to share what she knows about clean beauty with others. Beth believes that every voice matters, and when we use our voices together, whether through activism or through businesses that do good, we can change an industry and make it safer for us and for those who come after us. Well, welcome, Beth. Welcome to a Tune and Align podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness. I want to dive right in. How did you discover your passion for clean beauty? What does clean beauty mean to you and what does it empower you or enable you to do? You know, I'm going to start with that last part first, because when you were doing the intro for your podcast of women that find a way to say hell yes to their dream, (laughs) it's like, yes, this is what I've done. You know, my dream was to be a mom, but also to follow my passions. And if you had told me five years ago that I would be a leader in this clean beauty movement, I'd be like, but I don't even know how to wear eyeshadow, you know? And this is, I've just found this space where I can follow this passion and make a difference in the world, but I can also be home and live this life of little mini adventures with my tiny humans, which is what I wanted to do. And so how I landed here, I know you just graduated from nutrition school, right? So back in 2014, I went to nutrition school preparing, thinking that I might want to do something different than my former corporate job when I had kids. And I came out of it and I just was like, nutrition is a thing that I love for me, but I did not love talking about it with other people. But along the lines of cleaning up food and cleaning products and all of that, I had started really to look into what was in the product I was using. And I kind of went straight over to the other end of like, I'm only going to use this bottle of coconut oil. (laughs) And that also really wasn't where I wanted to be. So I kind of came around when the food wasn't really where I wanted to go, realized that there was this whole world of clean beauty out there that I could talk about and educate other people on. And there are amazing products that we can share with people. And it can fire me up as the Enneagram one that I am. I don't know if you're familiar with Enneagram, but I am the advocate. And so it's a way I can work and have my own time and share what I know with the world. That's really cool. I didn't realize, Beth, that we both had the nutrition school in common. I knew that we had all of our other values in common, but (laughs) thanks so much for sharing with that. You touched on this a little bit when you mentioned having time to spend with your children, but I want to dive into that a little more closely. Your work in the clean beauty industry, we talked about how it's empowering. What are the measurable effects 
that it has on your life? Does it have to do with the way you're able to craft your schedule or the way that you're able to protect your time with your kids? Can you tell me a little bit more about those measurable effects? Yeah, I think absolutely the flexible schedule is. I can make this as big or as small as I want. So I'm able to create those boundaries around my work time and also create boundaries around family time. (laughs) There's definitely a mommy works now kind of moment of the day for sure. Flexible schedule. And I think also I'm not a salesperson at heart, Mm -hmm. but being able to know that there is so much purpose and mission behind what I do allows me to go out there and share products with people very authentically. But I think for everyone who's tuning in, let's give them some of the nuts and bolts. Let's get a little bit academic. You came to a tune and a line and you taught the group workshop, Clean Beauty 101 and You. Clean beauty is a phrase that we all sling around (laughs) all the time and we see it in the media and we see it on social media all day. Can you tell us what does clean beauty actually mean? Like if you can give us a definition to work with, and I would also appreciate, and I know it's huge. So if you can somehow magically distill it down, give us kind of an overview of like the history of clean beauty industry or the lack thereof that led to it. Sure. So starting with what clean beauty means, I mean, it means nothing from like a regulatory (laughs) or even like a branding. It could mean anything. And I think what people think of when they think of clean beauty is clean ingredients. And I won't go too much on a soapbox of this, but I do think we need to take it beyond that a little bit because a lot of times we're only talking about us as the end user. Is it safe Mm -hmm. for us to use it? But if an 11-year-old is out there mining the mica that is in your eyeshadow and that's a perfectly safe ingredient for you and I to put on our eyes, is it still clean beauty? Like, I don't know. So I think what we're seeing the movement, you know, the last few years, it's really been about like, let's clean up the ingredients and I'll talk about how we got to a point where we need to clean up the ingredients in the products we're putting on ourselves every day. But I think where we're going to see things really go and where I feel very passionate and driven about right now is it needs to be safe for everyone from the person who is mining products. It means we can't have kids in there. It means there needs to be safe working conditions. It means there needs to be fair pay, right? All the way through to you and I using these products. Right. And I would say to any listener out there right now, I would guess that Maybe someone is having a similar reaction. I'm having that. Yeah, when I first thought of clean beauty, I'm thinking, is this safe to put this on my skin? But now you're opening up my thought process here to being like, what did it take for this product to get to me? And who was involved? And was that clean? Exactly. And I mean, to be very clear, this is a new place that the movement is going. And so it's all evolving and it's messy work and it's going to be messy and brands are going to find messy things in there, you know, Oh yeah, supply chain. But when we talk about it, I think the hardest part I have is the deception and the lack of transparency that has been in this industry for so long. And so the way we're going to change that is we're going to start talking about it and we're going to open things up and then we're going to clean them up as we find them, right? Well, starting with this podcast episode, right? Because yeah. you might have already <laughs> turned someone's mind on to this other aspect of the beauty industry that we didn't even think of when we were talking about clean beauty. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about actual legislation? Absolutely. And, and maybe can you give us an idea of the historic lack of legislation and what it kind of looked like so far? Yes. Yeah. So way back in 1938, the Food, Drug, and Cosmetics Act was signed. And that is the major piece of federal law that exists right now. It's about a page and a half long for cosmetics. And over the course of the last 80 something years, 
The U.S. has banned technically 30 products are cosmetics, but 19 of those are only banned in hand sanitizer. So we're really talking about like 11. Compared to Canada, which has like 600 products banned, the EU, which is more at 14 or 15. These are all constantly works in progress, right? So somewhere the 14, 1500. So we had a lack of regulation. And what's happened is that law doesn't really require brands to prove safety of their products before things hit the shelf. It is much more on consumers after people learn of perhaps ill effects of something to get out there and petition to get these things off the shelf. And after World War II, we had this huge or during after this huge explosion in kind of a chemical revolution, I've heard some people call it. And many of those chemicals ended up in our personal care space. And I am not someone who equates chemical with bad, right? You know, water is a chemical, right? But what happened is those things weren't tested. So we have maybe an estimated like 10,000 ingredients that are used in the personal care space. And we don't even know what percentage of those individual chemicals have been tested for human safety. And the estimate is something like 10% have. So we're kind of at a space where we have all these things and we have such a lack of data on what is even safe for us. As you've been filling us in here, I got chills and not in a good way. I got chills in a bad way. And the thought that went through my head was, is there no one looking out for me? No. And well, that's where I think like this whole lack of transparency in the industry comes from is we just all assume that if a product is on the shelf, it's safe for us because of food, right? Like there's so much more regulation that goes around food. Personal care products are very different. The FDA doesn't even have recall authority over personal care products. What they can do is request that a company recall something. Oh my goodness. We humbly request that you recall your product. Exactly. And then they can put out like a consumer warning, but they can't get the products off the shelves. So that a lot of the legislation that organizations and brands like Beauty Counter are working towards is giving the FDA more power and then also restricting some of the worst offenders that we know that are out there right now, commonly used in the marketplace. And that's a great segue into my next question. Since it seems like the onus of education falls on ourselves, what would you say are the three, like your top three ingredients that you tell people to be on the lookout for? Like put that bottle down if you see this. <laughs> I, you know, that's such a hard question to answer because there really are so many. And I, you have that handout that I think you're going to share with oh, your listener. You get and, a handout and you get a handout and yeah. you get a handout. So I did put like about 10, I think on there, but I really think the best thing you can do is just start to educate yourself. So when you are buying new products, go look at, I prefer the EWG Skin Deep database. So glad you mentioned that. a tool you can look at. You can put your products in there. If they don't have your product listed, you can copy and paste the ingredients from the manufacturer's website, throw them in there. It'll try and give you a score. It really just helps you see where that product falls in terms of hormone disruption, carcinogens, allergens, that sort of thing. Nothing's perfect. And like I said, we are working with a huge lack of data. So many of these ingredients haven't been studied. So these sites that are trying to give you a score have to deal with that. So it's not perfect, but it's something. Beth, I'm so glad you mentioned the EWG Environmental Working Group website. I just have to insert this funny little episode here. I don't know if you remember when you came earlier in September to teach the group workshop, 
And then you gave us all a minute. You said, okay, ladies, everybody go get your go-to products. So we all got up, we all went to the bathroom, went to the makeup drawer. And I came back with my arms full of face wash and mascara and et cetera, all my beauty products. And I put them all on one side of my desk here while we were on Zoom. And then while you kept talking and while everybody was talking, I was entering all the ingredients into EWG website. And then over the course of just a few minutes, everything had moved from the acceptable side of my (laughs) desk over to the unacceptable side of my desk, which was kind of like going into the workshop was my sneaking suspicion of what I was pretty convinced was going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. And I, you know, there's no, people always ask, so what score do I need to have? And there's no score that you need to have. It's just knowledge, I think. And you don't have to throw everything out and swap tomorrow. You know, you can swap in various ways. You can see if you have any nines or tens that pop on there. Maybe those are the first things you swap. Maybe you swap the things that stay on your skin all day long versus your shampoo. Yes. That was my main takeaway. You gave us so much information. It's like, there's just one thing I can walk away with. I said to myself, I'm committed to cleaning up the products that stay on my skin all day, right? If it goes on and washes off, I'll get to it. That made me feel better. Yeah. And I think what we need to remember with anything, I think, in the wellness space, every step you take, no matter how small it is, you're reducing the number of toxins you're exposed to. It's not all or nothing. It's not like you can use only clean products to reap those benefits. No. Got it. Well, like we both learned in nutrition school, you have a new client. We're not going to tell them, oh, you can't eat this ever again, or we're going to cut out these 10 things today. It, Like you said, it's a spectrum and like we're educating ourselves to move the needle. Absolutely. And I said, please, Beth, just tell me, what order am I supposed to put my products onto my face? I've looked up articles and they all kind of conflict. And it's like, save me from myself. Yes. And I've learned so much of this along the way. I was not a product junkie and I'm still not a product junkie. I'm a fairly minimalist person, but I do love the way Beauty Counter has laid out the regimens because they make it so clear. So start with cleansing your face. You want to take off all that pollution and just environmental debris and makeup, oil, all the stuff that has just landed on your face during the day. And then we move into a prep step, which is really getting your skin ready for the treatment and the protect step that you're going to do. And I think a lot of people want to skip this step, but as someone with really incredibly dry skin, I have been using a very hydrating prep step and it has made a difference in my skin. So- I have a big lack of education there. So that's why I'm interrupting you. No, this is good. So the prep step, is that something like a toner or some kind of like herbal essence or? It can be any of those things. And it's really going to depend on the type of skin that you have and the type of regimen that you're using. So I, with incredibly dry skin, would not really want to use, you know, I'm thinking of like the toners from when we were preteen. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking of those Zima pads from 92. Yeah, no, there are definitely different toners now that are not like stripping your face of everything. But for me, I lean way more towards the essence where I'm like piling on that hydration. Okay. So maybe that's what I have misunderstood about the prep step this whole time. In my mind, I was always correlating that with like 
some kind of toner tonic that was really going to like sting my skin. Yeah, no. So no. when you're growing up in the early nineties, I think that was what I, <laughs> what I took with me. Okay. So the prep step is like, I feel like captain obvious now when it comes out of my mouth, the prep step tones the skin to be like more receptive to the moisture that's going to come next. So I think a lot of people want to skip that because you're like, I don't really need that because I'm just going to do this. But I have seen it make a world of difference in my own skin and with so many clients. So next we're going to do- Okay, I have to interrupt you again. Go ahead. And I'm just laughing. Like I can be such an annoying student. So I actually (laughs) have here on my desk- the beauty counter samples we sent out to all the members before the workshop. I'm literally making a mess here while we're on the call because I just have the the opened packet. So basically what I did this morning when I got out of the shower, I did exactly what you recommended we don't do. I skipped the toner. I was like, (laughs) I don't need this. I don't need this. Yes. So I did the foaming cleanser, the counter match. Then I looked at the toner. I skipped it because like you said, I was like, man, I don't need this. And then I did the counter match serum and then I did the moisture lotion. Okay. So you did it in the right order. You just skipped number two. But now I know better. See, it's all about education. I think, okay, so it's the cleanser, the toner, the serum, and then the lotion. Okay. Yeah. Well, good thing you gave me a lot of samples. So I get to go again tomorrow morning. So cleanse, prep, and then treat. And so treat is going to be your serums. Treat is that step where you're using a product that is more concentrated than the other products. And it's going to be, again, specific to the kind of regimen or the type of skin that you have. So in that countermatch line that you're using, that line is all about hydration. So that is a hydrating serum. And so I love that. I love it. So for counter time, you'd want to use that if you have more mature skin, because our skin does change as we get older. It becomes more dry. We lose elasticity. Just with changes in our hormones and estrogen, those really impact our skin. So the counter timeline has been designed to help with those changes in the skin. So to finish up the steps, so the last step is protect. You use something to treat that is, you know, whatever your goal is for your skin, hydration, et cetera. Now you want to lock it all in there. So you're going to protect your skin. In the morning, that's going to be a daily moisturizer. A lot of people ask if you can use the same one morning and night, and you can. I will tell you, some morning moisturizers are going to have a lot of antioxidants to help you throughout the day as your skin is just being exposed to all sorts of stuff out in there, right? Got you know, it. Just, the environmental toxins is just your all that out. stuff. Yeah. And then your night cream is usually going to be much thicker. So it may not be something that you necessarily would want to use during the day, <laughs> you know, under makeup if you're wearing makeup. So you absolutely can, but they are built a little bit differently and they have their own sets of. Got it. And can you please just list them one more time? Just boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Cleanse, prep, which is a toner, essence, that sort of thing. Treat, which typically tends to be a serum or something like that. And then protect, which is your AM or PM moisturizer. And this is not like a 10 or 15 minute process. Like I said, I am pretty minimalist. This is two to three minutes for me. So Beth, this is where I wanted to take the conversation next. Give us a glimpse into your daily skincare routine and please also share. I think it's one of your favorite tips. (laughs) I will. If you're a busy mom, how the heck do you find time to wash your face? How do you get strategic about that? So I am, I think, a fairly minimalist. I'm also... I'm not here 
seeking out perfection. And it's something that if you follow me on social media, I'm not going to be showing you a million of before and after photos and that kind of thing. I just think as women, we're constantly told the story that we're not enough. And I'm here to help you get a healthy glow and then to move on and go do something really awesome with your life. Right. So the healthy glow is not the end all. It's not the end goal. The healthy glow is like, okay, now you're ready to go do your thing. Go do your thing. Go save the world now. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm not, I don't want to fix every last little wrinkle on my face. That's come with a lot of living. So, yeah, but I do follow a regimen because I do also really like feeling comfortable in my skin. And I like going to the grocery store without feeling like I need to put anything on my face. So in the morning I use the counter match line. So I do those four steps. I also use some eye cream. Something I've started doing recently is I don't know if you're familiar with Gua Sha. Oh, please tell me more because it keeps coming up in all my feeds and they know me so well. They're like, you like yoga and chakras and meditation. You might also like this. Please tell me more. <laughs> I am not an expert in this in any way, but I have someone who I get a holistic facial with every couple months. Oh, cool. Um, I invited her to come speak to my clients a couple months ago and she walked us through how to do it at home. And it was just so amazing. So in the mornings, I now use just a couple drops of face oil and I use this gua sha tool and you know, you're just kind of like brushing it up and down your skin. It's really lightly. You're using it to reduce inflammation and just that lymph moving around your face. But this is where I set my intention for the day. And so I think skincare can really be, you can turn it into a ritual and it can be more than just healthy skin. So for me, this is where I really sit. And I just think like, what do I want today? What do I need to practice today? Can I already tell that my patience is very low? And so I need to just take some deep breaths. Or am I feeling like, let's go have an adventure today? Or am I feeling like I got to get work done? Like really set that intention for the day while I'm kind of meditating almost on my face. Beth and I are on a Zoom call now, so we can actually see each other. So there's just like a lot of hand <laughs> motions going on right now, like with the gua sha tool. Could you say just like a little more specifically, just for like people who can't see us, what does the tool look like and what is it made of? Gua sha is a stone. Mine is made of jade. You can get all different kinds of them now. And you can also get like a roller. If you've seen those jade rollers, similar idea. And so the stone is just a flat, like very flat kind of piece of stone that's maybe three inches long and maybe an inch and a half wide. And you just use it to really lightly brush your skin, almost kind of like dry brushing. You're not pressing hard. And if you get a gua sha tool, it should come with a pamphlet in there that's kind of telling you how you want to use it, what lines. You're always moving up your face and it'll give you a description of how to use it. I mean, this... Our short conversation today is changing my life. Like I'm now a believer in toner and now I'm thinking <laughs> I'm in the market for a gua sha roller. See, this is why education is important because 30 minutes ago, toner and gua sha, they just weren't on my radar. A couple months ago, gua sha was not on mine, but I think especially with shelter in place and all of us, we're not getting a lot of alone time or I think some people are getting too much alone time just depending on <laughs> yeah. your living situation, right? And so building in these little rituals where you can maybe step away from life, mm -hmm. even, I mean, I do mm -hmm. this for maybe three minutes in the morning, but it really helps me just decide what I'm going to do. You mentioned Beth, a helpful hack around dinner time yes. when things get busy. Tell us about that. So I think a lot of times people will just tell me, I don't have time to wash my face. And I'm not a judge of that, but it might actually be something that can be rejuvenating for you. Mm -hmm. And so what I do, I actually do my PM routine 
as soon as I put my kids to bed, like that second door shuts and I'm in my bathroom and I'm doing my routine. Takes me two to three minutes, but then I'm done. So one, I actually do it. Mm-hmm. Two, I enjoy it because it's mm-hmm. only 7.15, 7.30. It's mm-hmm. not late. So it actually feels like I have a little bit left in my tank. I'm going to take this time for mm-hmm. myself. And then three, I think I go to bed earlier because I'm not procrastinating on the couch. Like, <laughs> oh man, I got to go upstairs and wash my face. Like I'll just scroll a little bit longer to avoid that. I have one client who has two young kids. She actually gets ready for bed before dinner because her kids are doing something and she's found it. And I was, and I was also just talking to someone who lives alone who said it's really hard for her to like get off the computer and yep. just thinking, you know, this skincare is not going to solve everything. But like, what if you do your routine right when you're done with work for the day? And that is like your transition. Like you take some deep breaths and that's your transition into your evening, your time, and you're, you're done with work right now. Beth, this sounds so appealing. Like it never happens, but I think my life's dream is to go to bed every night at 8.45 PM. Like if I had it my way. So I think if I start using some of these strategies, if you see me start winding down before dinner, like that might be possible. (laughs) Yeah. Why not? No one says you have to do it at nine o'clock. I'll keep you posted. We've talked a lot about the steps. We've talked a lot about, you know, the historic lack of regulation. Now I want to talk more about the people in your life. So I want to hear from you, like who supports you in your big dreams? Like either who encourages you forward? Yeah, I think I have a really great group of peers within Beauty Counter and some friends who are not within Beauty Counter. And it's nice to have both Mm -hmm. that internal and external thing. You know, my husband is obviously a supporter. And I think we had to kind of, it would start it as a hobby. And now we've had to work together to figure it out. But we figured out, but, you know, I was thinking about this when I was looking at our outline. I think the person who has probably allowed me to be successful at this is my mom. And she probably would not even be able to know this. And I don't know if she'll listen to this, but I'm going to tell her to. We're sending the episode to Beth's mom. (laughs) She has always, what is it, marched to the beat of her own drum. And, you know, as a preteen, I hated that. Mm -hmm. Like, why can't you just dress like this mom? Why can't (laughs) you just have a job like this mom, you know? But she has just truly never cared what other people think. I think that's something that I've cultivated in my late 30s. But it's what's allowed me to say, like, you know, this is what my passion is. This is the little part of the world that I want to change. And it's also allowed me to say, like, I had a 12-year career and I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And that can be a really hard thing to say when people kind of see that almost as like a downgrade, right? So your mom was your biggest supporter. The first question would be, what lessons do you hope your kids learn from watching you in action with a passion-driven career? You know, I just hope that they take away that there are options. Mm -hmm. I think when I came out of college, I assumed that I needed to get a nine-to-five job. And I had a great career in my, I call, I call it career 1.0 and career 2.0 and (laughs) it was great. And I wouldn't change anything of it, but I just never thought outside the box. So I just want them to see that there are different ways they can do things and to follow their passions and to speak up. Amazing. You mentioned your old career and I'm just curious because a lot of women come to a tune and align to the membership or to the podcast, either looking for community support to help them change careers or help them change direction in a relationship or help them change habits in their lives. When you were working for your previous employer or at your previous career, was there an aha moment 
like one moment that you could point your finger at and be like, that was when I knew it was time to move on? Or was it more of a, like a snowball effect or collection of experiences? I think it was a little bit more gradual, but I think I worked in technology consulting and I can remember this one time I was at a party at a friend's house and I'm 27 years old, maybe talking to this guy about how I truly believed data was a corporate asset (laughs) because I was so passionate about data. And this is a Friday night. There's probably a few beers around and I'm having this conversation and I got to a point a few years later, I'm like, wow, I just don't feel that about data anymore. The source of the passion had changed. The passion had changed. And that's when I went and did nutrition school and thought like, maybe this is the thing that I'm going to want to do next. And so it was kind of just this realizing like, I still like my job. It's a great job. I love my coworkers, but I'm not like driven to it. How do we have the courage to leave something that's good? Yeah. And definitely. I mean, I had a great job with a great company and it was just time. I wanted it was time. And also, I mean, I left when I had my daughter. So that, that's a very, well, sure. Uh, well, sure. <laughs> you know, there's a new person and it's, you have to make a decision. We need to go hire a nanny or. Yeah. The logistical segue. Yeah, of course. Of course. Okay. Can you catch us up a little bit real time in terms of what is the current legislation we're dealing with? Any recent celebrations? What can all of our listeners do to get involved and campaign for better beauty? Sure. At the federal level, we are always pushing for the Personal Care Product Safety Act. So Greg Renfrew, who is the woman behind Beauty Counter, our CEO, she actually spoke back in December at the first hearing that Congress has had in, I think, 30 years in the personal care space. Again, I got chills. I got chills again. (laughs) Yeah. So we are hoping that makes strides, but these things take a really long time. However, this is just excellent timing because in California this week, we had two huge wins. And because of the size of the California marketplace, a lot of times things that happen in California kind of become de facto laws across the country. That's exciting. The first thing we had is the safer fragrance bill. And I didn't get on my soapbox about fragrance, but when you look at the back of your products, if you see the word fragrance, know that that is considered a trade secret. So companies, brands, manufacturers, whatever, don't have to disclose what ingredients go into that fragrance. So your vanilla scent is likely not just vanilla. It's likely a bunch of things. What companies are going to have to do is disclose online any harmful slash hazardous ingredients that are in their fragrance. So that's not full transparency. It's not going to be on the bottle, but it's not going to be every ingredient, but it is a huge start being able to go and look. When people ask about ingredients, I think the first thing you can do is just stop using products that have fragrance listed on the ingredients. That's what I've started doing. I'm just looking for the word fragrance. Yeah. And the next thing is the toxic-free cosmetics act. And this is amazing. California is the first state to ban 12. It's actually 24 if you split out some of the ingredients, but 12 major ingredients that are used in products today. And a lot of times people kind of put down these lists of 1500 ingredients that are banned or whatever, because they say, well, you wouldn't really use those things in products, except all of these on this list are absolutely used. In fact, this law is not going to go into effect until 2025 because manufacturers are going to have to reformulate. Okay. So this isn't happening tomorrow. No. So the safer fragrance bill, I believe goes into effect in 2021. But the Toxic Free Cosmetics Act, because they have targeted these 12 ingredients where we have significant data to point to them being harmful to human health, 
and they are used in products. I guess the fair thing is to give manufacturers time to reformulate. This reminds me of one of the conversations we had during the group workshop. And you were saying that a lot of these most offensive chemicals are extra targeted towards women of color. Yeah. So what you see a lot in communities of color are products that are targeted like skin lightening and hair straighteners and those sort of things. And those products do have some of the most toxic ingredients in them. So you can really go down a path of where when we talk about clean beauty started here with, let's talk about the ingredients, but that's a whole nother path where you can go down where we're talking about why are these products being, you know, marketed? why is there this a whole nother tangent of like, why is European beauty, right? Western standards. Why is that the standard that is being marketed? And I mean, it can just go all over, but yes, they've done some testing and have seen that black women have higher levels of some of these chemicals in their bodies. We started the conversation, what is clean beauty? And now that we're this far into the conversation, I'm realizing we're going to need a part two and a part three and a (laughs) Oh gosh, and that's yeah. Yeah, we're not, not getting to everything on, today. No, and I'm not an expert on any of this by far, but it's just it my eyes continue to be opened at how if I truly want to say I'm an advocate for clean beauty, I can't just be talking about making sure that the products in my bathroom and the products in my kids' bathroom are safe. Right. It's a lot more than that. Everyone using products and everyone involved in the process of creating those products. Speaking of getting everyone involved, is there anything that listeners can do? Are there any texting programs we can do? Yeah, what can we do? You can text Better Beauty to 52886. And what we do is... 52886. Yes. And so Beauty Counter is constantly updating that with whatever is the most messaging at the time. Text better beauty to 52886. Okay, we'll share that. We'll share that too. Beth, what are you working on next? Like, is there a next big undertaking or a next big vision? I wish I had a great answer for that. I think it'd be so much fun to have a podcast. I love to talk, but honestly, this year was supposed to be the year that my daughter was in kindergarten. My son was in preschool. It was going to be the year that pineapples and plaid took off. It is now the year that I am a homeschooling kindergarten mom. And you know what? I'm loving it. We are having so much fun. And so what I really think I'm working on right now is living in the present. Oh my God. I am a planner. I am such a planner. And so this is a skill that it's not the way I wanted to grow this year, but I think it's growth that I needed. Thank you so much for sharing that it is okay to be right where you are in the present moment. Yeah. That's where I am. I'm accepting it. I'm most grateful for my health. What are you currently reading? Many books, but I'm going to mention that I'm rereading Do Less by Kate Northrup. And it's amazing. I need that book. (laughs) I need that book, Beth. What's your favorite food? Tacos, breakfast, lunch, dinner, any kind. Okay. (laughs) What's your favorite thing about being a mom? Having a front row seat to watching two humans discover who they are. Once we're allowed, where does your heart want to travel next? Like something tropical. Straight up vacation. (laughs) No sightseeing. Yes, yes. Like none of this itinerary stuff. Like just dump me on a beach under a palm tree. (laughs) Come back in eight days. I won't move. Pretty much. Just fetch me. Please describe your perfect day. Gosh, this one. I know. I, know. Uh, I don't have an answer. I, I tried, but it's like a little bit of everything. 
Like, can I have a little bit of time yep. with my kids where they don't fight? Yeah. <laughs> can I have some alone time with my husband? Can I have some like just straight alone time? <laughs> you want it all. You want it all. Yeah. And then finish it with some delicious tacos. Yes. <laughs> and start it with tacos and midway through <laughs> with tacos. Yes. Okay. Number nine. Success is having the confidence to live the life you want to live. Let's see. Number 10. What's a mantra saying or quote or something you tell yourself to keep chasing down your dreams? Show up every day. Show up. Oh my gosh. Show up. I love that. All right, Beth. It's been a pleasure. It was my pleasure. There's plenty more plenty more that we can discuss here. Thank you for this really exciting overview about clean beauty, the history of the beauty industry, and we'll stay tuned on your newsletter and pineapples and plaid Instagram, just, you know, keeping an ear out for how we can get more involved. This has been a tune and align podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune into our conversations. And more importantly, thank you for taking the time to tune into the power of your own dream. We'd love to hear your questions and engage with you over on our socials. Follow a tune and a line and post your questions for Beth and for our community in our feed. Tag us whenever you're taking action to attune to your heart and align your life using our hashtag attune and align. We can't wait to see what your heart will ask you to do next. My name is Marissa Lavalette, and from the bottom of my heart, Thank you for taking this time to get clear on the things you want to manifest in the life of your dreams. A woman living a life that aligns with her soul creates a powerful ripple effect in her relationships and in her communities. When you live your best life and share your unique gifts, you give permission for others to begin to do the same. Now go shine your light. Namaste. <laughs>